There was a survey done in the Guardian newspaper in September of last year. Uh, actually, it was research quoted in the Guardian newspaper uh, September of last year. Uh, research about what's unfolding uh, in our society broadly at the moment. Uh, and this was that one in five people consume media in a compulsive way that can lead to poor mental and physical health outcomes. One in five. Uh, it's become known as, as doom scrolling. Uh, it's this sort of almost obsessive or compulsive behaviour that some of us can fall in the trap of doing. It might be as soon as we wake up in the morning and we're getting on and we're flicking through the news and wonder what the worst thing that's happened overnight that we can look at. Or, or whatever it is, but it, there's an element of it, and I think deep within inside us we know there's an element of that that's really unhealthy. It's not good for us. And I think what's happening in broader society, but also in us as individuals, is that there's an anxiety that is bubbling up within us as a result. And we're seeing it increasingly in the fracturing that's happening in society, in the polarisation, the fact that everything seems to be so black and white now. If you don't agree with me, I hate you, is what many in society would say and do. There's something incredibly unhealthy about this. And the question that I want to answer today is as followers of Jesus in the society that we live in right now, how do we find peace? How do we find that deep and that true peace? The peace that only Jesus can give. Uh, this passage that was read out by Barbara just a few minutes ago is a, a fascinating passage. Habakkuk was an Old Testament prophet. He was around some 700 years or so before Jesus. I think I'm going to have to use another microphone. He's writing these words. And the context of this passage is really fascinating. It's interesting. I think it actually speaks into our culture and our society today. So what's happening here? It's around about 700 years before Jesus and the Assyrian Empire at that time was the, the known world superpower. They had taken out a whole lot of other countries. They, they ruled the world basically. And then there was this battle. It was called the Battle of Carchemish and a relatively obscure and unknown country as it was then in Babylon took on the Assyrians and they actually won that battle. Not only that, they took care of the Egyptians at the same time. And over the next eight years, the Babylonians took country after country after country. And when Habakkuk is writing these words, in eight short years, the Babylonians had moved from relative obscurity to an absolute world superpower and they're at the gates of Judah. And you can imagine the anxiety that was rising up within for the Israelites at that moment in time. And Habakkuk's words here are not God's judgment on the Israelites, as often is the case with Old Testament prophets. Habakkuk's words here are actually God's judgment on the Babylonians. 
Interestingly, his words were not words of talking to how God was going to restore and save them from the Babylonians. No, for what was about to happen was going to happen. But even in that, as the Babylonians are at the gates, as destruction is about to be upon them, here are God's words of judgment over the Babylonians. And in those words, what God is saying to the Israelites is, I see and I know. I see and I know. Now, this passage works through five different woes. There's five different verses in this passage in chapter 2 that starts with the word woe. And if you like, these are God's specific judgments and accusations against the Babylonian Empire. And I wonder if Habakkuk was here today, and if God was speaking through him, and if Habakkuk was critiquing the broader society in which we live and exist today, I wonder what he would say. I actually suspect... And I want to propose today that he would say much the same thing that he said about the Babylonians. I'm going to need some water. These five woes, I just want to work through really quickly before we get to the main thing that I want to say. It's going to be a little bit heavy. I guess it's been a bit heavy so far already. But as I work through these five woes, they're going to be, it's going to get a bit heavy. And I, and I want to say that what I'm about to share is really a lament. It happened regularly in the Psalms. In fact, half of all Psalms were laments. The Psalmists were, were crying out about the state of society that they found themselves in. And so what I'm about to share is, I guess, not so much a judgment, but just a series of observations which, for me, are the source of lament. And God sees and God knows. The first woe is the woe of inequality. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. Wherever the Babylonians went as they fought wars and battles, they would take which was not theirs to take. They would steal and they would plunder. They would make themselves wealthy by extortion. Today we live in one of the richest countries of the world. Some people would say and some researchers to say, and it depends on your measure, that Australia may well be the richest country in the world. And yet our foreign aid today stands at 0.21% of our gross national income in a world where 3 billion people live on less than $5.50 a day. And much of Australia's foreign aid is given to serve our national interests first and foremost. Woe to him who makes himself wealthy by extortion. The second woe, It's the woe of insatiableness. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. The city of Babylon was an extraordinary city. In fact, the gardens of Babylon became known as one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. An amazing place, a place of opulence and of beauty and of, 
I guess, man's creativity. And yet much of the city of Babylon was built by forced labour and captive slaves. The clothing we purchase today, much of it comes from the nation of Bangladesh. Many workers, in fact, most workers in Bangladesh work on less than 50 cents a day. Woe to him who builds his house on unjust gain. In fact, I just want to refer you to something that is really helpful in this space if you're interested, and that's the Baptist World Aid Ethical Fashion fashion Guide. I'll get that out. Ethical Fashion Guide. This is something that they release every 12 months and it's worth keeping an eye on it every 12 months. I had a look at it in my preparation for this message over the last couple of weeks and I realised many of the clothes that I've purchased in the last 12 months had come from organisations that were not ethical when it came to fair labour and fair working conditions. So I'm going to make some changes from now on. The third woe is the woe of injustice. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. This week we've remembered Australia Day on the 26th of January and I know that there's a lot of commentary at the moment around Australia Day. Should we celebrate it as our national day? Should we choose another date? Could we look at a different way of celebrating this particular day? And they're all good and important questions. And I'm not here to make a comment particularly about Australia Day. Other than to say, I think it's really important in this space that we come alongside and that we listen and we learn from our Indigenous First Nations people. Especially our brothers and sisters in Christ amongst our First Nations community. That we listen and learn to what they would have to say to us. On the 6th of June in 1835, there was a deal done. A few trinkets for some 500,000 acres of land. The city of Melbourne. The fourth woe is the woe of immorality. Woe to him who gives drinks to his neighbours, pouring it from wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze upon their naked bodies. Because of who we have in the room today, I'm not going to go into too much detail on this one particularly, other than the recent findings of the Royal Commission into institutional responses to abuse of children have revealed much. The fifth woe is the woe of idolatry. Woe to him who says to wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. We might struggle to understand what idolatry is today because what this passage is describing is that carving of a a, a statue or an idol out of wood, out of silver and gold and bowing down to worship it. And in our mind, that's something that we find hard to grapple with. We just don't understand why you do that with our Western mindset. But idolatry is simply putting something in place that God should be in. And this Christmas time, it's 
thought that Australians spent something like $25 billion on Christmas, some $1,300 per individual person that lives in Australia. And I wonder whether consumerism is a form of idolatry in our day today. So as I said, I say these things as a lament. And these are the things, I guess, if I want to personalise this, that, that give me cause of concern. When I sit in some of these things which I've mentioned today, they're the things where I feel the anxiety bubbling up within. And so the question that I started this, passage, this message with today is, is how do we find peace in a world where anxiety is bubbling up? And for some of us, it might be the doom scrolling that is causing the anxiety. For some of us, it may be other things. Maybe it's some things much closer to home, some stresses and some worries that you're confronting right now, whether it's an economic situation, a financial situation, a health situation, a family relationship situation. There's lots of things that can cause that anxiety to bubble up within. And so how do we find the peace. How do we find the true peace that Jesus gives? Well, verse 20 of this passage, I think, is really instructive. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. What's fascinating about Habakkuk is that in, in chapter 1, Habakkuk is, is writing to God and he's making some accusations against God actually and saying to God, in the situation that we're in, the Babylonians are at the gates, we're in desperate and dire situation. God, why are you being so silent? And yet here in chapter 2, it's not God who's silent, but it's Habakkuk who's silent before God. In my family, up until quite recently, I guess one of the, the roles that I played in the life of my family was the tech guru, uh, which is quite humorous in a way because I'm not really that much of a tech guru, but whenever something went wrong, whether it was with the internet or one of the devices or, or whatever it was in that tech space, the kids and Kate would come to me and say, Dad, can you fix it? It's broken. You know, I need it to help. And it happened a lot when we were going through COVID-19 lockdowns. Now, in my toolkit, in terms of tech fixes, I only have one tool. You switch the thing off and then you switch the thing on again. And almost always, it works. It's amazing. Now, my kids have passed me now and they're much better at this than me and they have other tools in their kit bag that I don't even know about it. And so now it's starting to be the kids, can you fix this for me? I don't know, it's not working properly. I've tried turning it on and off and it doesn't work. Annie Lamott is a, a Christian writer and author, uh, actually well worth looking up and reading her book. She, she writes brilliantly, very deep, reflective type of writing. 30 years ago, she found herself in a really desperate situation. She was a single mum. She was struggling with alcoholism and she was depressed. And this story of God's grace has unfolded in her life over the last 30 years ago, 30 years, over the last 30 years, where God has continued to, to draw her into his grace. 
and she's experienced this amazing transformation which she now writes about. And Annie Lamott says this, she says, almost every, everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. And so in the world that we live today, in the, the, the bubbling up, if you like, it feels like it's you know, getting hotter, we're sitting in the pot and the water's getting warmer, it's starting to bubble. There's this thing going on, it's deeply concerning, anxiety's coming up within. What should we do as followers of Jesus? I think we need to unplug a bit. These last four weeks, we've been working through this series, Walking with Jesus. And in week one, we had Andy come and Andy talked about the importance of prayer. And then in week two, we had Dave come who talked about the importance of engaging and, and, and reading and, and, and doing God's word. And then last week, what was last week? We had Lucy here and Lucy talked about partnering with Jesus in terms of sharing your faith and living missionally in the world around us. They're all three incredible things to do. Three incredible practices to put in place for this year ahead. But I want to suggest to you today that the starting point, the foundation, if you like, is to step back, to unplug, to find those spaces of silence, of solitude and stillness before God. For that's the engine room. That's the place of empowerment. That's the space where God's spirit is, starts to work in us and through us. We see and start to experience that transformation that only he can bring and that then starts to impact those around us. When we step back and we unplug. Each week over this Walking with Jesus series, we've given you a, or suggested a specific application, if you like, a specific practice to look at incorporating into your spiritual rhythms over the course of this year. And there's one practice that I want to suggest today, and that is on a regular basis, make it a discipline to walk your neighbourhood, but to do so prayerfully. Not with the earphones in, Though that's okay to do that at other times. Not with the device on you. But to walk the same roads. Immediately around where you live. And prayerfully. In that space of, of silence as well. Discern how God is at work in your neighbourhood. Discern how you might best partner with him in the work that he's already doing. And just be silent before him. And over time, allow him to speak to you. There's another time in the Bible where a number of different woes are mentioned. It's Matthew 23. And it's Jesus. It's not five woes this time, it's seven. And it's seven woes that Jesus is, is pronouncing against those who are teachers of the law. 
And I'm not going to go through all seven woes, but other than to give you a passage of scripture here, which is a picture. And I think a really important picture that we can take today, especially with that anxiety that raises up within In Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. If you're feeling anxious today, Jesus loves you. He protects you. He even brings you warmth. He wants you to be close to him. He wants you to hear his voice. To hear his heart. And to know his love. Let me pray. Lord, we do acknowledge today that we live in a world where anxiety is bubbling up. And we live in a a world that is, is very broken and very messy. And if we're really honest, we will acknowledge also our own brokenness and messiness. And Lord, as followers of Jesus, we just want to come to you. As a little chick comes to its mother. And so, Lord, in the midst of the anxiety that we experience, whatever that may be, I pray your presence. I pray your love. I pray your grace. I pray your warmth. I pray your embrace. I pray your healing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.